from our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Hi, welcome to Stars of the Week, Season 2, Episode 8. I'm Wendy. And I'm with Alex. Hello. Coming up, we're talking about big money for quick background checks, why Beta is taking goods back to the real world, and why Verifone is worth billions. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Startups of the Week. I'm Wendy Lee, a tech reporter at the San Francisco Chronicle, subbing in for my coworker Trisha Thadani, who's reporting in India. And I'm joined by Alex Wilhelm, editor of Crunchbase News. Hello. Hello. Um, so, Alex, tell us about what we're talking about today. Yeah, so veterans will know, but we'll give everyone a rundown all the same. Uh, we're looking at three companies each week, and here in season two, we're doing it in the following fashion. So, one company, based in the Bay Area, that was recently acquired. And we look for acquisitions that are pretty cool, interesting, or may tell something else about the market as a whole. We look for one really interesting, usually larger funding round, um, because we want to kind of see where the big money is going today to tell us about where we'll be tomorrow. And then uh, back to our season one idea of what's trending on Crunchbase, so what's kind of bubbling up under the surface. And this week, if I may be so bold, we have a good one from each category, and I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah, so we're going to start with beta, that is spelled... B as in boy, the number eight, T-A. So, so fancy. Yeah. I like it. But Beta does uh, three things, only one of which is new. So can you walk us through the uh, the big points? Sure. So um, so Beta, um, it has these flagship stores. One of them is in the Hayes Valley. And um, it works with um, companies that make gadgets or um, cool electronic gear. And then... Um, what a small business could do is rather than set up a whole big store with selling their items, they could go to Beta and say, hey, Beta, you know, we're going to pay you money and you can put a small, um, you know, you can set aside a small portion of your store, sell our item and, you know, hire staffers that can explain how our product works. So Beta essentially then is a way to put your stuff into a physical store pretty quickly. Yeah. But in that context, though, I'm putting myself into the Beta flagship. But they also do um, stuff that lets you be more integrated into non-beta stores. Is yes, that right? that's how, right. How does that work? Uh, so, for example, um, you know, if you go to Lowe's, for example, there there would be a um, a portion of Lowe's that is controlled by beta, and they also talk about different products there. Okay, cool. So essentially, they have flagship stores and partnerships to get my stuff, like Alex's, Toys yeah. Inc., whatever, into those stores. Yes. But the new thing is the coolest one because they're going to help you do the whole thing kind of by yourself. Yeah. How does that work? Okay, so say if you, um, I don't know, let's do the Alex Toys example. Okay, it's going to be a huge business. Yes. Say if you make, um, I, I don't know, like what what, what's make? your product? Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, 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 whiskey glasses. Okay. Uh, well, but it has to be like internet connected whiskey glasses. Smart whiskey glasses. Smart whiskey glasses. Internet connected whiskey glasses that tell you when your whiskey glasses are um, not full enough that you need to fill it. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, there will yeah. be a market for that. I'd yeah, that. exactly. So, um, so Alex wants to um, to sell these whiskey glasses, but he has no idea about how to find a brick-and-mortar retail location, doesn't want to deal with having to hire retail staff to train them on how to teach people about his whiskey glass. So he goes to, to Beta, and he says, hey, can you help me out? And, you know, I'm willing to pay you money <laughs> to do this all for me. And they do. 
So it's called Built yeah. by Beta. Yes. And they'll take you, I think, by my understanding, kind of zero to 60 on your own, uh, not shared brick and mortar store. Um, yeah. That's pretty yes. cool. So yeah. does this not feel kind of contra trend to you again? Like, we are living in the world of increased digitalization, the cloud, e-commerce, and Beta's like, we're going to put you in the storefront. You know, that it, it feels surpri- surprising to me, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, it does definitely seem counterintuitive, but I do think that there are certain things, though, that make sense for why you should still go to a store and buy it. I yeah. Mean, so, I yeah. mean, to, what, what do you buy still today that you're just, that you cannot do on Amazon because you just want that physical experience? Well, um, if I have time, I like to go to the store to go buy my own clothes because, um, as you can tell, I am a petite lady and, um, you know, a four foot 11 to five foot on a good day, depending on my shoes. And, um, you know, I like there are times where I'm not sure if I'm a small, an extra small, or sometimes like a child's like large or extra large, depending on the T-shirt. And so like I need to go to the store to try these things on. Yeah. Otherwise, they're like too big and it's a huge hassle to have to return it. Yeah, or for people that are yeah. way too tall or yeah. any variation thereof. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. But this is fun because it's kind of an electronics-themed thing. And I think that makes sense to me because I've been on the fence about VR for a year, I want to say, and I haven't quite gotten around to buying a VR nerd helmet and the little sticks you wave around because I haven't really had a chance to try them out. But if, if there was a store down the street from like my apartment that was like, just come in for half an hour, try out some stuff, and then make a choice, the chance of me buying a VR set goes up by like 100%, I feel. Yeah. It at least doubles. Yeah, or you could just go to my dad's house. Um, yeah. Oh, he hasn't <laughs> called me recently. Tell him okay. to give me a Okay, I will. <laughs> Anyways, uh, on to our funding round. So yeah. who this week raised the big pile of money? Um, it's Checker, and Checker is a uh, San Francisco company that does speedy background checks. So <laughs> speedy background checks yes. sounds, sounds dangerous. Um, why, why does speed matter? And I guess who is this kind of aimed at? So what type of company are, are they going to sell this or do they sell this service to? Well, so initially the company got started by um, working with companies like Instacart um, or um, Uber, like um, gig economy companies that want to hire people very quickly. And one way of doing that is through faster background checks. Okay, so Instacart, which is the popular grocery delivery yeah. service down at Uber, which is what everyone uses to kind of get around when the buses don't show up, which is about half the time, um, they require people that are not full-time employees, right? And right. so they use what are called 1099 laborers. Yeah. And so they need to have quick ways to tell that they're, they're not criminals, uh, and so, uh, so Checker can kind of do that for them more quickly. Yeah, because they use um, artificial intelligence um, and machine learning to try to um, that make it easier to scan through the um, the documents or the documents such as uh, differentiating between like a speeding ticket versus um, like other things, and they can like look at that really quickly, categorize them, and then that's how they do these background checks fast. D- so I-, I get the demand, yeah. and they raised $100 million, yeah. right? So an insane amount of money, because Instacart and Uber have relatively high turnover, so they need to constantly replenish their labor supply. Here's my question. Do, do you feel comfortable handing over a relatively human-to-human process of vetting someone to AI and machine learning? Doesn't that, that, that makes my, my – I get nervous about that. It feels almost like you're, we're outsourcing a human thing. I don't know. I guess like – you know, and maybe this is kind of a contrarian opinion on this, but there's actually a part of me that sometimes feels okay about it because maybe it would actually reduce bias. Like because – you know, because like they don't really – because if they're just judging just based on data alone, like, you know – is this a speeding ticket versus like a DUI or something and not like judging by people's like 
names or backgrounds. Like, I mean, in terms of like, yeah, they're like um, inferring what someone's background is based on their name. Um, then maybe that might um, reduce bias. So essentially, yeah. instead of humans making yeah. this process maybe better, by cutting out humans, we're going to remove potentially some bias that may have creeped in. I like that. That's a really good point. Unless, of course, the humans who wrote the algorithms are right, biased. Right, exactly, they, yeah. That, that's a, that's yeah. a fear that I had. But yeah. I, I think yeah. your point's quite good. And they certainly have a ton of money. I mean, $100 yeah. million is just insane. And that was all in kind of one chunk, right? Um, yeah, that was one chunk. And then also one thing that's interesting about their company, too, is that um, when the when Checker does a background check, they also uh, they also let the um, person that's applying for a job know what the background check says. So there's also transparency there as well. <laughs> Do you really want to see that, though? I think I, think I would. I mean, I think, the, yeah. I, I've gone through two background checks when I yeah. used to work for AOL. Um, how did I do that twice? Maybe just once. Anyways, I've had to do it two yeah. times, and, and both times I passed. Yeah. Obviously. Um, but like, I don't know. There's, there's that, there's that the fear in the back of your mind. Oh, yeah. Like, what if I do have a huge speeding ticket in my home state that I don't know about or something like that? Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. I, don't, I think not seeing it for me would be, would yeah. be better. No, I remember um, when, when I got a job and, um, and I made it. I, I got the job offer, but I was waiting for the, um, I think, the drug test to come back. And, you know, and then, <laughs> and then, um, I was waiting for it. And then, um, and then I wanted, you know, and then my friends were like, well, why can't you just tell everyone that you got the job? I'm like, no, no, I, I just want to wait till you know, the drug test comes out. They're like, what are you worried about? I'm like, well, it's not that I have anything to worry about. I just want, I just want the email, you know. So you're not yeah. confessing you're doing lots of drugs? No, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, in San Francisco... <laughs> Not passing a drug test is not that big of a deal, I feel, for a lot of people. So, <laughs> um, and I, I guess my last thing on this yeah. is, you know, as the labor market tightens, right, in America, unemployment yeah. is like 4 or 4.1%, and we're seeing people come out of the, uh, the non-looking-for-work part of the workforce, I'm curious how 1099 labor is going to tighten. Because will there be as many people out there looking for part-time slash gig jobs and Will that persist if things maintain their kind of current trajectory? So Checker, I think, fits a really important need. I can see why mm -hmm. it's going to be of use, but I'm curious if there will be fewer people they have to work through down the road if more people find full-time work as the economy improves and wages go up. That's true, and I think they're, they're they may be anticipating that because when I asked them what they were going to do with the money, I mean, in addition to hiring more people, they also want to up their sales and marketing efforts to Fortune 500 companies. Uh, so they're going after the big yes, companies. Yes, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's called going up market, I believe. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, big companies and big deals, um, we're talking about a multi-billion dollar acquisition today. So what's going on? Okay. So Verifone, it's a Sanze company. If you don't know Verifone, you probably use one of its machines when you've um, slid your credit card at a uh, retail business. So for example, like, Baskin Rob like a Baskin Robbins franchise uses Verifone. Um, many restaurants use it. Also, I think Whole Foods uses them, yeah. too, because we were doing uh, some prep before the show, and I was looking at different uh, payment terminals that they create, and the Whole Foods one is a Verifone terminal, which means I spend too much of my money via Verifone pay points. Um, so who bought them, and uh, how many dollars? Okay, so, um, so an investor group led by private equity firm Francisco Partners um, offered to pay $3.4 billion for Verifone, and Verifone's board approved this. But there is a um, term in the deal that allows Verifone to shop the deal around and see if they can get a better price from other people until May 24th. May 24th. Yeah. So they have uh, the four weeks, roughly. Yep. So tons of time. Yeah. Slash not really. So if you're interested in buying Verifone, 
you know, contact them before May 24th. And also have more than $3.4 billion in ready cash or available credit. Otherwise, what are you even doing? Um, but <laughs> I'm just giggling at how much money we're talking about here. Because if it was 3.5, you and yeah. I wouldn't really know the difference. But it's $100 million. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, now, Verifone's moving towards a more service-based uh, revenue stream. So yeah. they're moving away from kind of sales. So what does that look like and how fast are they making that transition uh, right now? Well, uh, so Verifone is mostly known for these payment terminals. They're terminals that can accept credit card payments and people swipe or put their um, their credit cards with a chip inside them. Mm-hmm. But um, when retailers had to transition to having more of the machines accept the chip credit cards, um, Verifone had a windfall of a lot of people buying these machines. But then the company wanted to continue to have revenue, and so they've been starting to try to delve more into services. Mm-hmm. Services represent just about like 40, 40% of, of the business so far, so they're still working on you know trying to grow that. 40% is a lot, though. Yeah, it that, is still a lot. That's a pretty yeah. impressive transition mm-hmm. from a company that may have just sold physical goods for a long period of yeah. time. It'll be curious to see how quickly they can grow that, and then here's my question. Which is a higher gross margin, the terminal sales or the services? Because whichever one yeah. has the higher, higher gross margin might be the best growth business for the company's future profits. That's true. Especially if the private equity kids loaded up with debt and tried to take all the cash out of it, which yeah. they do sometimes. See Toys R Us, for example. Yep. Or they could just, you know, shift to, uh, to smart whiskey glasses. I really don't think that's a bigger market. But if it is, <laughs> uh, you can send my, um, my royalty check for that idea here to the Chronicle. I'll pick it up. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us at Stars of the Week. Um, Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Read more startups coverage at sfchronicle.com. And crunchbase.news. I'm Wendy Lee. And I'm Alex Wilhelm. And this is Startups of the Week. You've been listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our executive producer is Fernando Diaz, our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper, and our producers are Peter Hartlob, Brittany Schell, and Claire Varelos. The music you just heard is Botfest by Alex Vaughn. If you like what you heard, good news, there's more! Listen to Chronicle Podcasts and get bonus content at sfchronicle.com slash podcast, or subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, or other streaming services.